Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. One of my biggest struggles is knowing how to start a message. And doing this how many years? And every time I start a message, it's like, you know what? I just don't know what to do <laughs> to start it. <laughs> Sometimes I do a joke. I didn't have any jokes. Sometimes I'll do a story. I don't have any stories. So let's just dive right in. Turn to Matthew. Matthew. Turn to Matthew. The book of Matthew. Anywhere, because it's all good. But everywhere in Matthew. Actually, you could just open up the Bible and it's just start reading and it's going to be good. But where I'm going to start reading is Matthew 5. Um, Matthew 5, chapters 5, all the way, from, well, 5, 6, and 7, chapters 5 and 6 and 7. Does anybody except Richard, Richard, you cannot answer this, um, or Melody, just saying. Does anybody know what these chapters are? Oh, very go. There you go. Sermon on the Mount. Well, it is the Beatitudes, Dan, you're right, because it starts chapter 5, but, it, but all three chapters is considered the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, it's, we look at these three chapters, and it's the quintessential, um, that's a big word, um, it's, it's the basis of the New Covenant. And people didn't know that then. But basically what was happening was Jesus was coming in, and he was, if you look, you know, if you just look even at chapter 4, um, you know, Jesus was, was, in chapter 4, he was in the desert, he was tempted by the devil, and then he gets out, you know, he's full of strength and he's, he's full of, he, he's growing with, in favor with man and with God. Um, and then he preaches in Galilee, he calls his disciples, and then he starts healing. And people are like, this is crazy, what's going on? We've never seen anything like this before. And so Jesus decides, he says, okay, I'm going to teach now, and I'm going to teach things that are going to be greater than what they know. Because everything that Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, were basically erasing the Old Covenant. Did you, did you get that? Like he was, he was, he was, he was, he was you, you can look through. And like he, he, he talks about anger in chapter 6. He talks about adultery. He talks about making oaths. You know, he says, like, you've, you've been told before. It says, okay, your ancestors have been taught never commit adultery. That was part of the what? Where was that found? Ten Commandments? Hello? Anybody there? You know, there was, you, you've been taught don't commit adultery. And then Jesus goes, okay, you know what? You've been said, you've been taught this. Don't, do, don't commit adultery. But I'm going to tell you, if you think about it in your heart, you've actually committed it. So now you need something greater to combat that. So the, the, the Sermon on the Mount really becomes the constitution of the kingdom. Jesus gave his followers a superior way to live other than the law. And the emphasis in the law, does anybody know what the emphasis was in the law? Should. should. Yeah, it should. It was outward. It was, it was an outward expression of what you have to do, what you should do. 
right? Whereas the new covenant is, is internal. It's dealing with our insides. So the emphasis is not on our outward duty, but the inward transformation of our hearts by grace. Hmm? Becoming. Now, does that mean we have to be perfect? No. Can we be perfect? Yes. Depends on what your definition of perfection is. Because we think perfect as um, as perfect. <laughs> but it's not. It's not being perfect. It's not acting a certain way. And that's what the church has actually um, been teaching um, for years, is that we've actually been teaching Old Covenant external stuff, saying if you act, you need to act like this. And that's why I said earlier, it's like if we're acting, then we're actually not being known for who we are. It's like that's the epitome of hypocrisy. It's like you, you're a hypocrite. Hypocrites were actually actors in the Greek culture. They, and it wasn't a bad thing at the time. It was, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a hypocrite. Oh, you're an actor. Yeah, I pretend to be someone else that I'm not. And so it becomes, it becomes this thing where then it became a negative thing. Oh, I'm a hypocrite. Oh, you're a hypocrite. Churches are full of hypocrites. And the, the world actually still labels a lot of Christians as hypocrites because they, they act one way and they, they say one thing and they do something else. And there's no, they're just, I don't, why would I want to be with them? And so Jesus was actually saying, it's like, I, I want you to change from the inside out. That those external, it's not an external pressure, it's internal government. It's inter- internal government. So, anyway, that's just kind of, that's the opening. <laughs> so let's look at, um, I want to go through a few verses. Um, I wanna, I'm going to blow through the, the Beatitudes um, a little bit. I want to just kind of, I want to highlight a couple things. And then I'm going to kind of focus a little bit more on, on one other aspect. And then I think at that point our time will be done. So if we look at chapter 5, it says, One day, Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him. So he went up the slope of the hill and he sat down with his followers and disciples spread out over the hillside. Jesus began to teach them. And this is what he taught. Verse 3, what wealth? Now I'm reading out of the Passion Translation. Okay. What wealth is offered to you when you feel your spiritual poverty? For there is no charge to enter the realm of heaven's kingdom. What delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord? For you will find what you long for. What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you? For you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are. When you crave righteousness, for you will be surrounded with fruitfulness. How satisfied are you when you demonstrate tender mercy? For tender mercy will will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure. For then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How blessed are you when you make peace? For you will will be recognized as a true, true child of God. Now, when I first read this, I was like, where are the blesseds? Blesseds. Because we've read this in the King James, the New King James, in, in, in most other translations, and it always starts out, blessed are they, blessed are you, blessed are, blessed, blessed. And it, and it, 
And I thought, well, that's, this is crazy. What is this word? Well, in the Aramaic, what the translators have taken as blessed is a word called tuwehon. Okay, so T-O-O-W-A-Y-H-O-N, tuwehon. And what it means, it's enriched, happy, fortunate, delighted, blissful, content, or blessed. And so it gives us a little bit greater understanding of what these words actually mean. And it, instead of happy, because we think of blessed and blessed is happy, you know, you can say happy or fortunate, and it's in that list. But it becomes boring in a sense. Not boring in the, I'm bored, I'm so bored. It becomes boring in the sense we've read it, we've been taught it, and it just becomes rote. Oh, yeah, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall what? See God, you know, but, 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 but actually taking the words and breaking them into a more specific way, it actually brings life to what Jesus was trying to say. And it brings life to us even 2,000 years later as we realize that this is the heart of the Father. So that's why all these, these verses, you know, um, verse, uh, verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, 9, have the different beginnings of that same word, tuwanhe, tuwehon. <laughs> so it also means to have the capacity, um, to have the capacity to enjoy communion or you and union with God. That's the actual tr- meaning of that word, and then all the other words you can use in conjunction with it. So Jesus is saying, you want to have communion with God? You want to be in union with God? This is, how, this is how you're going to do it. What delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord? For you'll find what you're longing for. You're waiting. I have, a, I have, I have something in my heart. I, I, I have an issue, God. He says, well, wait. And you're going to find what you long for. What blessing comes to you? When gentleness lives within you, for then you're going to inherit the earth. You know, we think of meekness. You know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, meekness is, is a word that we don't necessarily use anymore. It's one of those words that, well, I don't want to be meek. That, that it equals weakness. Not really. But there's a gentleness. When you're gentle. When you're in a situation and you find yourself wanting to rise up in anger or something, and you go, oh, wait, I'm supposed to be gentle. Holy Spirit, I'm just going to stand here and let you take over this situation. And what's going to happen? So I'm going to inherit the earth. What does that mean, inherit the earth? It means, in my opinion right now, in this case, is that you are actually going to walk in areas that you were not able to walk before and have influence because of who you're becoming in him. Like if, if, if I'm rageaholic and nobody's going to listen to me as I'm raging, right? The people on Facebook, you see the people on Facebook and their, and their posts are just, they're, they're just acidic and they're just like, Bleh, Right? You just you see their name and you just scroll on by because they've given you this attitude of, well, I just I'm just I'm just a crazy lunatic rageaholic, so nobody listens. 
But if you actually start reading people's posts who are gentle and who have things to say and they're full of love, you're actually, they're actually feeding you. Now, sometimes you don't need to be fed that, but it's their demeanor. So there's this influence. Verse 8, what bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will be opened up to see more and more of God. So there's, there's these, these words that are more powerful, bliss, um, happy, enriched, delighted, that God wants to actually get into our hearts and change us from the inside. It's, it's, to me, it's just it's phenomenal. In verse 10, it says, How enriched are you when you bear the wounds of being persecuted for doing what is right? For that is when you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kind of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. How many of us have been ecstatic when we've actually been lied about? Yeah, we're not quite there yet. Does anybody know who Georgian Banoff is? Some of you do. Like he's, I've never met him. Well, no, actually, it's true. I have met him. But um, he is one guy that he, he if you can uh, categorize his life, it's bliss. Like he's just happy. He's blissful. He's, he's taking everything that the Father has for him in his life, and he's taking this bliss that he's experiencing, and he's going around the world, literally around the world, and he's just pouring love into people. And, and he's focusing, he focuses on the, the gypsies and, the, and the, the, the disenfranchised people of, of that part of the country, of the world, and he just loves on them. And he gets so much persecution, and he gets so much... Um, lies and people are lying about him and his wife and their ministry and and he just loves it. He's like it just means I'm doing something good. I'm just I'm just and I just and all he does he just focuses on um, on loving people and sharing the bliss, literally the bliss of what he's experiencing in the Holy Spirit. It's, it's phenomenal. Georgian Banoff. What's that? No, the happy song is Martin Smith. Um, so then Jesus goes on. Um, so I said this, I read this already. How ecstatic you can be when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy since your heavenly reward is great for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you. Jesus is like, this is a good thing. If people aren't talking badly about you, you're not doing something right. <laughs> That's basically what Jesus is saying. If you're not causing trouble, if you're not causing people to go to be thinking about who they are and what they're doing, if you're not actually in the world doing that, then there's something misfiring. And so that's where Jesus goes on. In verse 13, it says, Your lives are like salt among the people. But if you, like salt, become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing and will be thrown out and trampled on by others. All right, let's look at that. How does salt lose its flavor? 
Hmm? Yep. Anybody else? How does salt lose its flavor? Andrew said watered down. So diluted. Anybody else? It's a trick question. Richard. Yep. And is gross. So that's a type of salt. Put my glasses back on. Has no flavor. So Jesus is, I believe that this is a trick question or that Jesus is actually is, is wrapping something up because this is, I mean, 2,000 years ago. Today we know chemically salt is a, a stable substance. And the only way that you are actually going to lose saltiness is, like Andrew said, is by diluting it with something else. And, it, and it, it's still there. It's still whole. It's just not as strong. So salt is made up of sodium and chloride. Right? So NaCl is the chemical. You break that up, it doesn't become salt. It's not salt anymore. It's sodium and chloride. Bring it together, it's salt. We use it as a seasoning. Now, I love to cook, as most of you know. A couple weeks ago, I made a gumbo. It was, it was, I was so excited because I took time. And it was like, it was, I made a roux. If you don't know what a roux is, look it up. Like it, was, it took me hours. And then I threw in um, the sausages and did everything that I was supposed to do. It was thickening up nicely. And I look, and I was like, oh, i got to throw in some spice. And so I, what I didn't do was check the saltiness of this particular spice. And I threw it in. But then I failed to realize how salty the sausages were, how salty... There was something else. I can't remember now what it was. But by the time we got it to the table, you couldn't eat it because the salt content was so... You would have loved it. I have never seen a man love his salt more than Richard. Anyway, salt is a seasoning. It's not a spice. It seasons. It enhances flavor. Last night, no, two nights ago, we had spaghetti at home. And I love to salt my water to cook the pasta. And Deanne and I have this little back and forth. It's too much salt. I'm like, ah, it's never too much salt. Well, the other night I put, I was talking to Deanne, and I, was, and I had coarse, coarse grain salt. And, and we're talking, right? And I'm like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. And um, never thought anything about it. Cooked the pasta. And then we're eating, and Dan's like, oh, I don't want to be critical, but do you think you could go back on the salt a little bit when you're in the water? I'm like, yeah. And it was definitely, it, just, it was just too salty. And, and, and then in reading what Jesus is saying here, it's like you, you want to have the right amount of salt. You want to be the right amount of salt. And what is, what is, where does that come from? Where does, where, does, where does that right amount of salt? If Jesus is saying you're salt, because what did he say? Your lives are like salt among the people, but if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? So where does that come from? Where does, where does, if your lives are like salt, where does, what does that mean? Jesus? <laughs> That's right. Jesus. Good. You got the answer. <laughs> Not a hard question. Well, 
You guys know that story about the squirrel? You ever heard that story? Okay. So Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teachers teaching the kids. And, uh, and he says, okay, so what is this? This is a small woodland creature. It's brown, and it's got a long tail. It's got buck teeth. What is it? And everybody's like, oh, what is it? It's a woodland creature with a long, bushy tail. And little Johnny puts up his hand and goes, sure sounds like a squirrel to me, but we're in Sunday school, so the answer's got to be Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you say Jesus, is like, okay, yep, yeah, and everything comes back to Jesus. In, in, the, in this verse where, it's, where Jesus says it's good for nothing, good for nothing can be actually translated as foolish. And so when Jesus says, if you're going to lose your saltiness, you're going to be foolish. So if you dig deeper into this, salt, being salty, equals wisdom. If you're not salty, you're being foolish. Do you know where I'm going with this? <laughs> it's like if, if we are in his presence, if we are with Jesus, if we are constantly, you know, working with him, he's actually saying you, you're, you're getting wisdom. And so the right amount of saltiness in the, whoops, the white, right amount of saltiness equals wisdom then being with Jesus will give us that right saturation point because he's giving us wisdom. Does that make sense? And so when we're not actually hanging out with Jesus, when we're not in his presence, what's happening is that we're actually becoming diluted with other ideas. And so then our saltiness is actually being diminished. And that's where we're getting people you know, in like whether it's Christians or not, you know, the, the wisdom of this age is absolutely crazy, right? The older that we're getting, the older that I'm getting, I'm going, this is absolute crazy. No wonder, you know, I'm <laughs> just like, I don't get it. I saw a sign the other this is, uh, we're podcasting. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Yeah, it's wisdom, but I'm going to say it. it. This is wisdom. This is not bad. I'm not being cr- crude or anything. But I saw a sign the other day, it's like, it was uh, July 1st, and there was a sign, it says, please be aware, there are animals who are afraid of fireworks. <laughs> I was like, so? But the intent was, don't fire off your fireworks, because my puppy will be afraid. And I, I'm not getting any responses from you, I'm thinking you all agree with that. Okay, well... <laughs> I don't. I know Andrew doesn't. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we had a dog. We had a German Shepherd. She was afraid. Every July 1st, we found our dog in the, in the, um, in, in the shower because the neighbors were popping off fireworks. Oh, poor dog. I'm so sorry. But the next day, she's fine, right? Like, we're building, we're, we're building a, a society of foolish people because it's not based on Jesus. 
And so for us as believers, if you can think, think of Jesus and he's sitting on the side of this mountain and he's speaking these words to people and their minds are literally being blown. They're going, well, what do you mean we're salt? What do you mean? And, and so he's teaching these, these words. He's, he's, he's saying, I want to release wisdom over you because you're actually in my presence. And he's laying out the foundation of the kingdom and it's changing, you know, the, the, from the laws of, of, the ex, of the external laws to the internal laws. And, 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 he's, and he's teaching. But we can't, we can't stop learning from Jesus. We have to be part of a society that is, is, is the answer and not creating fools. It sounds harsh. I don't mean it to be harsh, but... But, but Jesus says that, you know, like, you guys are salt. Don't get diluted, because if you get diluted, you're going to be actually useless. Now, we're not useless. Look to your neighbor and say, you are not useless. You know, you want to look to your wife and tell her you are not useless. Now look to the other person on the other side and say, you may be useless. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're not useless. We are actually, we have the capacity for wisdom. We have the capacity. And, and, I, and I think going, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're in our church culture, and we've heard messages saying, if you're not an evangelist, then, you know, you're not really a Christian. And, and I thought, you're missing the point. The point is that we are salt. And then in every area of our life, in every area of our influence, we have to be salt. And we have to, to interact with people with the love of Jesus. Does that mean you're an evangelist and you're just, you're, you're just saying, get to, get to the kingdom? Get to, no. Maybe if you are, if you're Dan, because Dan loves that and that's who he is. But it's not who I am. But I love to talk to people about what God has done in my life. So each of us is effective differently, Right? So then Jesus goes on. Let's move on because I'm, I'm babbling. Jesus goes on, verse 14. He says, your lives light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that the commendable things that you do will shine as light upon them. And then they will, ha- they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. Now, I didn't know this, but Jesus goes from salt, your salt, and then, and then he says in your light. Now, back in the day, back in that culture, they would take salt and they would rub it in the wicks of their lamps to cause the light to shine brighter. Ooh, I didn't know this. I just thought, man, some poor fool found magnesium and started rubbing it in and then lit it. And but but there's, a, there's a combination here that you're salt and you're light. You're walking in wisdom and you're allowing the light of Christ then to magnify what he's doing, who you are. And I think it's, I think it's, I really feel that it's something for us today to know and it ties into our identities of being known. When we are known by the Father, he pours in the wisdom and he pours in brightness. You know, Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for the light has come. 
This world, not we're the light. Jesus at first said, I'm the light of the world, and he, then he transfers it to you. He says, now you are the light of the world. Don't hide it. So again, think back to 2,000 years. He's sitting on the side of the mountain, and he's speaking. He says, like, your salt, your light, you have the capacity for what I have for you. You are, you know, you can do this. And then he goes on. And then he talks, like I said, he talks about anger. He talks about adultery. He talks about making oaths. He talks about loving our enemies. He talks about giving. You know, he just, he's covering everything. He's, he's talking, he talks about prayer in chapter 6. Fasting. He talks about what treasures are. What, you know, have your treasures in heaven. And, he's, and, and, then he's, and then he says, don't worry. You know, all this stuff that's going on, don't worry. I'm going to take care of you. You know, like there's, there's sparrows in the sky and they, you know, nothing is going to happen to them. There's nothing going to happen to you. And people are like, what? And at the, right at the end of chapter um, 7, and this is, this, is, this is awesome. I'd never seen this before. Right at the end of chapter 7 is verse 28. It says, by the time genus... genus By the time Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were dazed and overwhelmed by his teaching because his words carried such great authority, quite unlike the religious scholars. So Jesus, you know, he spent all this time and they were like, they were like in shock and awe. They were like, wow. Wow. How many of us have been in situations in, in teaching times that they were like, I've never heard anything like this before. This is crazy, right? I think it's becoming less and less, but maybe not. Maybe within House of Hope. I remember the first time that I talked about, you know, what my heart was for end times. We talked about the end times briefly. And, you know, and I, I laid out what I felt, you know, what my life beliefs have been and... um you know, rapture and you know, that kind of stuff and what revelation really was. And, and I remember that Sunday I had two girls come to me and they just, they were like pounding on me, like you're wrong and this is heresy and you can't do this and you can't, you're a pastor and you should be doing. And I was like, <laughs> got you thinking, didn't it? Even if I was wrong, it's good to challenge. It's good to challenge the things that we, we've been taught. And, and Jesus, and I think this is why the people that Jesus was preaching to and teaching to is that they had never heard these things before and they were overwhelmed. Like if it's, it was almost like a lot of this is a lot harder, but it's so much more easy. You know, are you saying that we don't have to look good? We just have to be good? <laughs> How do you be good? You allow the Holy Spirit to transform your hearts. So I, I just, I, I want us to take a moment and, and be blown away and ask the Holy Spirit, okay, where is, where am I in regards to salt? How salty am I? How much light do I throw out? How many of you have ever walked into a room and it was dim but the lights were on bright? Because the wrong wattage of light bulb was put in. 
Or we have nowadays, we have the sliders, right? Like the dimmers, the room dimmers. I walked into our living room, our, our family room the other day, or a few weeks ago, and the light was on, and blinds were closed, or curtains were closed. And I was like, man, it's dark in here. Why is it so dark in here? Like, it just seems lit. And um, so then I was watching TV, and I just blah, 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 and get up, and I go to the kitchen, and I look, and the dimmer was like at half. And I was like, oh, oh, there we go. That's much better. It's like, we need more light. The Holy Spirit, show us, where's our dimmer switch at? Do I need to be turned up a little bit? How's the dilution level of my salt? Am I believing? Am I believing incorrectly? Am I believing lies that are actually making me foolish? And I don't say these things to to be condescending or judgmental because I'm speaking to myself as well. It's 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 a heart check to say, okay, where am I at? Because there's no shame. Right? There's no shame in the kingdom. If you're feeling shame because you're acting something, then it's, 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 it's the enemy trying to, to, to bring condemnation and shame. Shame. But what the Holy Spirit wants to do is, he's like, your dilution level is low, come back to my presence. You know, your, your dimmer switch is, is low, turn it up. What does light look like? In the life of a believer, I believe it's love. I believe that's a that's a big. If your love is turned off, you're not going to shine. But if your light, if your love is turned on, like Danny Silk says, keep your love on. In all circumstances, keep your love on. Then you're you're bright. You're going to influence people. And if you can take wisdom and that light and meld the two, your influence is going to expand. Because that's just how the kingdom works. Does that make sense? All right. Let's stand. Or sit or whatever. You can do whatever you want, I guess. It's like <laughs> Let's put your hand on your heart. Say, Father, where's my salt level at? How much wisdom am I walking in? And just allow him to speak to you. Say, Father, where's my love at? Is my love turned on? Show me areas of my heart where my love is actually turned off. And then allow him to flip the switch. Circumstances may turn your love off. Don't allow it. Holy Spirit, just begin and continue to just shower us with your love. Increase our wisdom, increase our salt level. Because we don't want to be useless. And we really don't want to be foolish, Father. That is not what we want. We want to be full of wisdom, and wisdom is you. And so we're asking you, Holy Spirit, asking you, Father, to, to, to give us the wisdom we need for the, for the assignment that you have for us. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. 
Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.